It'll lock you up from mm-hmm. the rooter to the tutor. Welcome, everyone, and pull up a seat at the table. It is lunchtime in Rome. Tonight is episode 159, entitled Douglas Bentley. Douglas Bentley has a 45-year friendship with Jay. He has an amazing marriage. He is a great father. He has coached many young men. He's a proud veteran of the Air Force. He has a relationship with the city of Atlanta, DeKalb County, DeKalb County, as a police officer for 26 years, rising to lead the Atlanta 911 call center. We'll be talking about all of that and his greatest relationship tonight. So pull up a chair at the table and join us. First-time listeners can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or listen directly on lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, you can take our relational needs questionnaire. Make sure to follow us on all social media, and it would be great if you gave us a five-star review. Jay, what specifically is this podcast about? Being alone is the worst. Good times aren't as good, and bad times are worse when you are all alone. Romans 12.15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from being alone and what this podcast is all about. We demonstrate that in the first 15 minutes or so of the podcast, and we talk about it for the rest. So while it may not be 12.15 in Rome, we're treating it like it is. Lunchtime in Rome. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, Yeah, I'll go first. So I am pretty bummed. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh... My arm still hurts. Nah. And and here like here's why I'm so like concerned about it. Push ups. <laughs> oh man, that yeah, that's no. Um <laughs> I know Douglas here would would tell me to do it, but um You gotta do push ups. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the solve. <laughs> It'd be like this. <laughs> the simplest doctor's <laughs> office ever. I mean my spleen's big up push ups. Push ups, push ups do, push-ups, push-ups do everything. <laughs> but uh it's still hurting and I I'm discouraged because it's not because like I'm worried about like my arm and its condition. It's we're going on vacation. Oh yeah, it's the worst yeah. time. There's disc golf gonna happen. There's disc golf throughout the summer, disc golf uh you know, a, at the end of the summer uh trip all that so like i um i'm just discouraged about it yeah i'm bummed so like it's i i think i still i'm still gonna power through regardless of power whatever through. whatever it's gonna, i'm gonna power through i just can't do what we did on the disc golf trip like we did like five courses and, you know whatever is crazy 90 holes in three days yeah that's a lot well, i'm numb eventually i did yeah that when we played northern boundaries like when we were on like hole 15 i was like i can't believe it but you know what it feels okay like I, it's like i don't know the blood got flowing and it was well like, no you finally snapped and severed <laughs> parts of it that yeah Actually, you needed, but yeah, yeah, it don't, it don't matter. So, but it does, it does, it is painful, and it was really hurting on Sunday when I was drumming. I yeah. saw you oh, yeah, shaking it, was, it out. Oh man! So, uh, but I do have another follow up with it. I got two uh, for for the room. I got uh, two quarter zone shots, one in my elbow mm-hmm. and one in my shoulder, and it's not really doing anything. So, not doing anything. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds broke. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I also have to get an EMG because I have numbness in my hand, which I'm assuming is going to be carpal tunnel. Which you know, eh, whatever. And there's a history of that in your family. My mom had, and she, I mean, she's been like office administrator, secretary, like all her life. So just a lot of typing growing up. You know, I mean, she had typing classes. You know, back in you mm-hmm. know her school days. So she's been typing forever. So, but yeah, but um, and you also do a fair bit of typing for your job. And I'm on my phone and I play video right. games and you know yeah. that kind of stuff. So 
Um, I am excited. I made a decision this week. Oh. Yeah. And it may not resonate as much in this room, but for all you geeks out there. Oh, all right. I'll sit back. <laughs> I'm, uh, that's me. I'm listening. You got me on it. I'm going full PC gaming. And oh, I, wow. yeah, I bought a 3080 Ti. Oh yeah, you're card. in. You're in yeah. deep now. It's it's a video card that I mean, I'm waiting for Elon to call me. Like if he needs something launched into space, my computer's <laughs> going to be able to do it. And I'm very excited. So I, I sold some stuff. I made the decision. I was actually talking to Duke, who sits at the table with us weekly, um, and has been a guest on the show. Um, and I just got to talking, and he just kind of motivated me to do it. And well, I got something for you. <laughs> all right, all right. You got the you got the VR? <laughs> not yet, oh, not yet. I got no. the Oculus. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah, cool, man. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get. <laughs> but um, wait, so Duke's into gaming? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, we had a, a power <clears throat> outage the other the other night. And it fried my PS5. No. Oh, no. Come on, dude. Yeah. Really? Well, see, that yeah. was God's way of saying it's time <laughs> it's to go not. PC gaming. Well, I did I did send it back. I sent it in for repair. I got to pay for it, but I sent it in for repair. Oh, but I'm going to toss that in the living room, and it's going to be like media video game system in the living room. So I know. It's so funny how fast technology moves. It's like oh, the PS5 gosh. was like so coveted. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's. it's and now you're like, I'll oh, run a movie on it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll let Maggie watch, you know, Blippy on it. Hey, you can always watch Disney Plus. But honestly, man, I am so excited about it. Like, and it's and the stream. Like, you should see the equipment that I was able to get rid of because Mm -hmm. I was streaming, like, like using my console on the PC. I got like there was a stack of wires, like a a foot thick, Mm -hmm. of just stuff that I needed, and I don't need it anymore. Well, that's exciting because you've gamed your whole life. I mean, you have a ministry around gaming. Yeah. And for you to make such a big switch. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, though. I like it. Um, I guess I will go up next. I wanted to talk about the sous vide. Uh, Ah, We didn't didn't talk about last night, uh, but I did the pork chops. And, well, first of all, I got a sous vide for my birthday last month, and Eric got It's been a minute since we've talked about sous vides. Yes. Right. Which, Douglas, are you familiar with sous vide? I'm not. It's a water immersion cooking. So it Mm -hmm. regulates the water temperature, Mm -hmm. and so you put it in a vacuum-sealed bag, whatever, protein or Mm -hmm. vegetable, if you want. And so, like, you want your steak at 137. Mm -hmm. Well, then you put it in at 137 for as long as you want. It just gets softer, and then you sear it at the end. Perfect cooking. It's a cheat code. Yeah. Wow. And it was great. Uh, the pork chops turned out great. I mean, I think I would do, um, I don't know what I'd do differently. I think I wouldn't sear them quite as long. I think I'd mm. sear them a little too long, which you told me about. Right. Said, don't sear them too long. And I was like, I'm going to sear them too long. <laughs> the way to, by the way, the perfect sear is you do the cast iron skillet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. But then you have another cast iron skillet. <laughs> you put the foil over the protein. Then you put the other cast iron skillet on top. So it presses it down. Do you have, it gets to, an heat, even sear. Do you have to heat both up? No. Like, oh, okay. Because you're only searing the bottom. But the problem is, like, when I have thicker pork chops, this little bit's touching, this yep. little bit's touching, whatever. It's else. always the pork chop. Mm-hmm. So you put it on top, the cast iron skillet on top, weighs it down, you get a flat sear. So do you sear it for like a minute aside? I don't know. And I'm, I'm, my sear game's weak. Okay. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that, though. Well, but you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, you know the it basics. Seems, seems and then, be, uh, like, now you like how much oil you're putting in. You put a little bit of butter, mm-hmm. too, to brown it up a little bit. Yeah, I like uh, a little butter. I, I never. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, my oven's kind of, or my stove's so, kind of slanted. <laughs> so you don't just pour out, the like, the juice from the bag? No. Oh. Wait, pour it out into the into pan? Into the skillet? No. 
Oh, no, because that'll cool it down. You oh. want to pick it out with tongs. Well, and then, like, there's place there's it something in, to that too. Like uh, there's ways it. you can recycle the juices in the bag. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's never worked for me because there's some impurities in there that you shouldn't just heat up. Oh, like it's okay. not going to make you sick. It's right. just not the best flavor. Right. But there's a way like you're supposed to put it through cheesecloth or a fine mesh this or that because okay. then you can basically have like an au jus or a gravy. Well, yeah. the next time I do it, it's going to be better. Yeah, they always say dry it off, put it into hot oil, zap zap. Okay. All right. Good tips. Um, I also got a new car. I went through Carvana. Bam. And uh, it was a great experience. I would recommend Carvana to, to anybody. Um, well, based on my experience. Um, but you have to be... They, they walk you through step by step. And it's very simple. But And they give you time limits. But you have to do the steps when they need them to be done. Hmm. And But they... I talked to one human being one time for about five minutes through the entire process. So from the time that I said, this is the car I want and purchased or made my choice to the time where it came to my house with a human who actually, you know, did drive it. I talked to one human being and the whole entire experience was, was pretty pleasant. So would highly recommend it. I love my car. It's a stick, which is fun because I haven't had a stick in, you know, years. I used to drive one all the time and, um, it's, uh, it's been a good experience. And then I'm going away this weekend with Lex. We're going camping. We're going to see Goose, my favorite yeah, band at the, at the current moment. And, middle uh, of nowhere, Ohio. Middle of nowhere, Ohio. Thornville, Ohio. And yeah, it's camping. It's, 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 camping. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a concert venue, kind of like a, like a smaller version of like an amphitheater, like Star Lake. And they don't have the, the seats. It's just, the, it's the stage and then concrete and then all the field. What's the venue called? Uh, Legend Valley. And what so, legend is from there? Uh, I know the Grateful Dead played or there. Or is it a legendary valley? It's a legendary venue. Okay. Um, so, but we're going Friday afternoon. We're going to set up camp. We're going to see Goose play yeah, Friday sense. night, hang out all day Saturday, um, and then see Goose play Saturday night, come back Sunday morning. Um, it's it's going to be a great time. There's a lot going on to there. spend with her. Yeah. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. I'm really excited about That's that. Really nice. Yeah, that's going to be, and that's a lot of alone time. It comes with yes. a dinosaur, too. It does. Yeah. Sometimes well, it comes. Man, sometimes Maggie it comes, would love this place. Well, depending really, on what drugs are on, it comes that's alive. Really, that's really nice. I, uh, I am in a time of transition. You know, now that volleyball's over, school's just about out. You know, I'm in that, like, you know, from running 110 miles an hour to mm-hmm. you kind of wake up and you're like, all right, what are we doing today? You know, and I was like, all right, I got to get back to the disc golf course. And I went and saw Red Dave there. He was talking to somebody in the parking lot. He's like, well, I can help you. And we were helping. And This is today or? Me, Monday. Uh, okay. But given where we've just been playing all those different mm-hmm. disc golf courses, and then I played Monroeville with Rachel on Sunday, mm-hmm. walking our course, I was like, Ours is in better shape than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, there isn't even that much to do. Now, I did rip down some vines that we'd killed last year but couldn't pull out of the tree. Mm-hmm. And then these two dead branches that I was like, they're going to fall on somebody. And I was being super careful. And the one just fell and like it was like a grenade. It like uh-huh. just exploded into a million yeah. pieces and kind of hurt my finger. But I'm going to pull through. Oh, but see, that's the time I wasn't alone. So yeah. I could have been stupid and I wasn't and I still got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, just be alone just, in the woods. Just do what you got to do, man. Just, if you got to climb up a tree with a running chainsaw, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, no, I ladder, ladder is the best way to do it. Well, be if, not feeling a ladder. With like a, a rock under the shallow <laughs> yeah. end. Nothing do you at least check happens. in with somebody, though? 
Most times. Okay. Some, no. Just, <laughs> no. Yeah. You got to come to ours uh, in Atlanta. We have a, a disc golf course. At, you have the disc golf centers down there. At Ale- Alexander Park. I'm not sure if you can pull that out. We should uh, look it up. Alexander Park. They have an amazing disc golf course. It used to be a farm, and they converted it into a park. And uh, But the World Disc Golf Center is down. Like, that's where they just had the first major of the year is down in Atlanta somewhere. I mean, there's obviously a lot of courses. But so then today I was grilling. Oh, that's my other thing. You know, price of meat's going up. I eat a lot of meat. And uh, I was at Sam's and I looked and I was like, wait a minute. If you buy a full brisket that's prime, not choice, prime, that's as good as it gets, is prime. It's three ninety nine a pound. Mm-hmm. Well, ground meat at Aldi now, I think, might be $4 a pound. And mm-hmm. that's Aldi ground beef. With all due respect to Aldi. You yeah. Know, like it stays pink longer than it should. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the problem is you have to buy a 16-pound brisket. Mm-hmm. Well, so I bought myself a 16-pound brisket. Oh, wow. And I spent eh, 45 minutes yesterday cubing it up, grinding it up, grilled myself just on the propane, not charcoal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, buddy. It is a world of difference. It is so good. It was so good. But while I was out there, I noticed my own trees, my own trees <laughs> wrapped in vines, four yeah. of them right in my front yard. And I mean wrapped in vines. So I started cutting those out, which is going to make them disgustingly ugly because mm-hmm. the vines go all the way up and cover the tree. So now yeah. I've killed them. Right. That's all going to die. Right. But a little, uh, you know, just trying to help out around the house. Yeah. That's all I can do. So. With that being said, my man Douglas Bentley, mm-hmm. my very best friend from first grade. That's what I'm talking about. Is here with us tonight. Douglas, have you been? Tell everybody hello. Say what's up. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? We're great. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. And in the preview, we talked about all of the, you know, this podcast is about relationships. Mm. And Douglas has had a billion relationships over the years. And I can make the joke about that, but I won't. Let's do it. Um, you know, because he's got the, one of the greatest relationships is with his wife who stopped him from having relationships with a lot of other women. Yeah. She corralled the wild stallion. Yeah. And you've been married how long? Uh, so... <laughs> No, and, and that's the thing. So I got married in 2003, but at the end of the day, I feel like I, I've been married since 1999 when we met at Dobbins Air Force Base. And uh, it was just a, an amazing opportunity. So people ask me all the time, where, where did you meet your wife? And I say, and my wife has this story, so if she ever sees this, she's going to kill me. <laughs> I say, we met at the free clinic. And everybody's like, ew, the free <laughs> clinic, like where they do blood tests? I said, well, I was getting a blood test, which was a drug. Well, she was getting blood tests to do her blood typing, and I was getting a drug test. And it was a drug test for the Air Force. I was in the Air Force at the time, and she was going into the Air Force. And she walked in in civilian clothes. We were all wearing uniforms, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know the record and, went off the deal went off the record <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like you know and, and, and you know they've got you behind a partition and next thing i know i'm like looking over there saying okay and so i sit down beside her and she ignores me and takes her blood test and i said okay let me go and take my drug test and then i'll talk to her once because after your blood test uh, when they do the blood typing, you have to sit down for like 20 minutes, drink some orange juice or whatever. Oh, so she was a little lightheaded. No, and no, she, no, not at was. all. 
And I said, well, I'll do, take the drug test and go and pee in a bottle or whatever. And, and she'll be sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I look out and she walks right out and keeps walking out the front door. I said, uh oh. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. I'm not allowed to leave that controlled area. Uh huh. I keep walking. <laughs> Followed behind her. I said, hey, she turns around like Miss Brett girl. <laughs> Brick. And I said, you know, hey. And, you know, we strike up a conversation and, Literally, we've been together ever since then. Mm. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And we will talk more about that as we go on. But you then spend uh, a career of service, whether mm. it be the military, whether it be for the police, 911. But we want to sort of start towards the end of your story sure. as it stands now. I mean, mm. we don't know what the rest of your story looks mm. like. But <laughs> you, ri- you rise to the position of interim director of Atlanta 911. Yes. And at this point in time, would you say you're a devout follower of Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Okay. And so you had a chance encounter and you formed a new relationship out of a terrible relationship. You had a terrible relationship with your boss, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really that well. Um, no. And so what happened? So um, in 2000, December of 2000, I had a wonderful opportunity to take over the reins of the 911 Center from a very good friend, mentor, and life coach. December 2000 or 2020? 2020. 2020. Okay, I was going to say. And... Um, my my mentor retired, and my mentor was the person who brought me to the nine one one center. And he said, "Listen, if you come, you you'll have a free car blanche, but I need you here because you're very good with people, and you can see that we need your help." And I said, "If you call me, I'm there. It doesn't matter who you are. If you call me, I'm 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 going to do my best to get there." And I got there, and I saw well there was. A lot of opportunities and I get there and he allows me to take any class that I wanted to take which is you know I'm a lifelong learner I love to read books I love to learn things I one of the taglines on my emails was in Cora and Paro which is uh, Latin or Greek for still I learn mm-hmm. and it's a good tattoo yeah <laughs> and you know just always learning so you know get there and you know we're working and he's been with me since we've been together since probably about 2004 where i met the man and he said yeah i know who you are i was like oh (laughs) i'm in the police department i'm a police sergeant and he says i know who you are and well what happened was he used to work for assistant chief of police and unfortunately at the time i had the uh dubious reputation of the most tases in the uh, Cab County Police Department at that time where um, they had just issued us tasers mm-hmm. and I tased about three or four people because I was on the street crimes unit called the Community Oriented Policing Unit and we were always out in the most challenged neighborhoods in Atlanta, Georgia and Sometimes people don't just want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got drugs on me, on my person, and you're bucking and fighting, and we're not going to fight that long with you, mm-hmm. and you're resisting arrest, and tases happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you were walking through the mall. No, no not at all. Not at <laughs> all. Bed, bath, and beyond. Twir- Zink. Twirling it like a six-shooter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one time, the first time, I begged the guys, please, because, yeah. you know, right. as police officers, they yeah. tase you. Yeah. And yeah. it's not something that you want to yeah. do. Yeah. Because, but it's something that's an effective tool to get someone to comply very quickly when they're actively resisting you. So, 
you know, a tased in the man shat upon himself, and you know, it was not a great scene. But it basically you know, resets your body. Like it does. It, it just. I mean, it locks you up. Yeah. I mean, it'll lock you up from mm-hmm. the rooter to the tutor. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things you, you're wanting to do is just try to say, "Hey, listen, yeah. you know, this is not going to go well." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's you know work out a, a healthy compromise. You go in the backseat of the car. We play nice, and you play nice, and we all have a big group hug and say kumbaya and mm-hmm. we'll go about our day well anyway now i'm in the 911 center and i'm in charge of it mm. and the walls are starting to close in mm. slowly day by day the walls are starting to come in and i start to say hmm i don't really know what's going on because the fog starts and you know i've had i've got this condition called hypercoagulant blood which i thought was my superpower when i was a child if i fell scrape my knee direct pressure elevate i'm, fi- I'm fixed i'm like wolverine yeah well that's great when it's on the outside but when it's on the inside oh. that's a bad thing mm. and so it, with this condition back in 2012 or 2013 i had been diagnosed with bipulmonary embolisms which is mm. uh, blood clots in both lungs. Mm. They did an x-ray. They they saw me. I had some chest pain. They brought me in. They said that an x-ray is, it lit up like a Christmas tree. Wow. They said, whoa, you got blood clots everywhere. But they put me on um, anticoagulant blood thinners and, you know, warfarin or something like that. And six months, they took me off of them. Probably should have stayed on mm-hmm. some type of uh, baby aspirin regimen mm-hmm. or something, but didn't. And here we are, 2020, moving into 2021. I can't see it, but the walls are closing in, and it's getting foggier and foggier. Like you're, you're literally yeah. saying, like mm-hmm. in your vision, oh, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. everything. The walls are starting to close in, like you're slowly becoming to be choked out. Didn't know what it was happening because I can still like articulate. Like you're losing your perfe- peripheral, your peripheral yeah. visions, and you know things are getting confusing. People are talking to you, and it's like And by February 1st, it was real bad. Mm-hmm. And I was telling so this would have been 2021. 2021. Yeah. I'm talking to my dad now and I'm saying, Hey, dad, walls are closing in. And he says, Well, why don't you go to the doctor if you're sick? <laughs> and I'm driving to work and I'm like, No, I'll take some deep breaths. I'll take a walk around the parking lot, you know, man stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. In that whole day, it was just a confusing day. Next thing I know, I'm dropping my wallet. What's happening is, I usually keep my wallet in, in my pocket, but it's on my left side, and I can't close my left oh, wow. hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to put my wallet in my pocket because I can't feel my left side. My wallet keeps falling out of my pocket that I can't put it in. Wow. And people keep finding my wallet. All It's like, where's Waldo? They're like, hey, Major Bentley, we, 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 director, we found your wallet. It's like, yeah, how did that happen? And, you know, just mm-hmm. real confusing. And people are talking to me, and I'm looking at them, and they're saying, are you okay? And, you know, about the third or fourth time I heard that, I called my wife and says, hey, let's go out to dinner tonight. And she was like, okay. We go out to have dinner, and I feel like everybody's looking at me like you guys right now. Mm-hmm. And everybody's looking at me, and I'm eating my spaghetti. But because of the stroke is really taking effect at this time, I can't taste the the actual spaghetti and meatballs and i'm like this is nasty it tastes like snot mm-hmm. but it doesn't i just i'm losing my taste mm-hmm. and you know people are saying well maybe you're having covid they brought my cousin and his wife and they're looking at me like sideways like you know when people are looking at you and things aren't going right and then 
I tried to uh, pick up my wallet from the floor that I dropped oh, again because I wanted to pay for the tip. And I go to pick it up, and I couldn't close my hand. So I kept picking it up, and it kept falling. I kept picking wow. it up, and it kept falling. They kept looking at me. And then it's like I'm losing time. Mm. I'm here with you. And then all of a sudden, they're way down in the room. And I mm. said, what's happening here? And they And they said, hey, we think you're having a stroke. And I was like, okay, if you if you think so, but just doesn't feel like that. Well, then the next thing that I know, there we're we're going to the hospital, and we get there in the hospital, and the doctor's asking me clarifying questions, and he's like, "Well, who's the president?" And I said, "Biden," you know, and they said, "Okay, well, what day is it?" And I said, "February second, twenty twenty one," and he said, "You know, oh, he's fine." Mm-hmm. And then my cousin, who's a Penn Hills grad, his name is Dion Bentley. He looks at the doctor and he says, this is not him. Mm. He's probably one of the smartest people I know. And if this was him, he would know all the nurses' names. He'd be telling jokes. All of you guys would be in stitches. This isn't him. I'm sitting in the wheelchair and I'm like, you tell him, brother. You tell him. That's what I'm talking about. I said, this is awesome. I said, you tell him. And I said, you know, this is probably nothing, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, we'll wear you back, and we'll do an um, an MRI. No, yeah, an MRI. And, he, and then uh, they do an MRI, and then they say, uh, Mr. Bentley, we think you have a lesion on your brain. And I'm thinking lesion. Oh. I'm thinking like a leech, <laughs> like, like Rambo. <laughs> I'm thinking like, just burn it off. You know, let's keep it going. And so the next thing I know, they said, okay, well, we're going to take you in for observation. I'm saying, you know, no big deal. And then I remember the doctor came in the room and said, yes, you've had a stroke. Had. Yeah. Oh, wow. and like could have had it days or weeks mm. ago. I'm not sure. Wow. And she says, you know, but the good thing is you're in phenomenal shape and everything is okay. And I said, dang, hmm. because I've known people who've had strokes and, you know, as a police officer, you roll up on the scene and people are having strokes and people think they're drunk because they've crashed their car. And it seems like they're drunk because they can't really articulate things Slurring and stuff and like yeah. slurring their ver- voice and things like that. And ne- next thing you know, it's like, okay. How bad is it? And they're saying, eh, it's hard to tell. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I don't yeah. really like this. And, you know, they're walking me around the hospital and they're saying, can you walk? And I was like, sure, I can walk. I can run. And they're saying, can you hit the steps? And I can run the steps. And they're like, and, and, and so the doctors are coming in like, we don't really understand this. We don't really know what's going on here because you have the body of a 30-year-old. You're, you're about to turn 50. And we've never seen anything like this. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, because it's me. <laughs> you know, of course you haven't seen anything like this. This is just me. This is just what I do. If, if bad stuff's going to happen, it's going to happen, and we're going to move through it. Mm. And, you know, but they had that serious look of concern in their eyes. They, mm-hmm. they weren't amused. No, not at all. No one. <laughs> they weren't laughing. Yeah. Had this beautiful nurse. And she says, Douglas, you don't understand. You have an angel on your left shoulder and an, another angel behind you. Her name was Ayana. The nurse. The nurse. Yeah. One, one of the first nurses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, you're going to be okay. Because mm. they're telling me that you're going to be okay. We're just here to protect you. And I was like, okay. 
I'm looking over my shoulders. And that's not the language you speak. No. At that point in time. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. I, you know, I'm hearing her, but I'm hearing stroke. Mm, But I'm hearing her, but Mm. I'm hearing stroke. And so, you know, we're, I'm kind of going back and forth. And, uh, you know, a couple days you get out of the hospital. And I go back to what I know that the nurses and doctors told me if you weren't a walker, this would have been devastating. Mm-hmm. And so I hear that word and I'm like, hmm, let me go back to what I know. And right around the corner from my house is Grace Church, non-denominational church, kind of like Jay's church. It's our church. Oh, yeah. Your church. Our church. Our, our, oh, yeah. It is our <laughs> matter of fact. I think we're all here. So right. our church, and I do what I do. I've been walking this path for years. Get down on my knees, and I start praying and praying and praying and praying. Get me out of this hole mm. because it's very confusing. You can't move as quick as you can move. Like we talk, like we talk right now, but when you have a stroke. Everything that you do from that to that, you have to think about everything that you've just done. Every word you find, you have to grab and put it together out of your head. And it's the weirdest thing. It's kind of exhausting. It is. It is because if you take a step, you have to think about the angle of your ankle on the ground. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do is a thought process, and you have no idea about that. You don't think that you're doing all this thought process, but you are. And one of the most difficult things that we all do is we drive. Mm-hmm. And as a police officer, my mind is a a motivated license plate reader. I'm like, that's a Toyota Corolla. That's a that's a Nissan rogue you know that's a black and you know every car that you're passing whether it's going forward or behind you in your rear view mirror you're trying to articulate every make and model of every car and your brain has to process that and drive mm-hmm. they never took my license away mm-hmm. so i drove probably shouldn't <laughs> but you know if if you don't tell me i can't then i will <laughs> <laughs> but it hurt yeah and the one thing that I did, and I think Jay kind of alluded to that, my wife was a beautiful person. She she said, you know, I don't know how I can help you with this because it's a lot, but I know that you're smart enough that you can figure it out. So I'm going to kind of give you some space to just be quiet with yourself and kind of figure this out. So I'm walking, doing my thing praying but not really knowing what to pray mm-hmm. this is all new to you everything this is, new is to you all this new yeah you know this is all new i mean because you know and god's talking to me and he's talking back to me like because it's quiet mm-hmm. it's i mean it's just as quiet as we are in these microphones and he's like you think that i've tried to do something to hurt you i have not what I'm trying to do is get you to hear me and only me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you got my attention now, brother. <laughs> Loud and clear. <laughs> Loud and clear. I can't hear anything else. I mean, you know, noises were extra noisy. Things, you know, whenever we're walking, you're filtering out, you know, sounds of birds in the background. Everything was coming at the same volume. And it was just terrible. 
So like all of your processing that you'd lived with your entire life mm -hmm. has been completely scrambled and, and you're relearning how to process mm -hmm. all your stimulus and Absolutely. how to process the thoughts mm -hmm. and actions coming out of your body. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the thing about that is just, uh, you know, you had an amazing group of faith, family and friends around you. <clears throat> you know, my friends and my cousin who went to Penn Hills, his name is Dion Bentley, was just amazing at that time. Because he was like, hey, let's go and walk every day. You know, probably from, you know, February when I got out to the hospital to March, we walked every day. Maybe sometimes multiple times a day. And that helped because you're trying to figure out how to recapture what you think you've lost. Mm -hmm. But God's telling you, you hadn't lost anything. And in March of 2021, I went back to work mm -hmm. because of my wife. She said, so listen, you can figure this out. And I said, well, the only stimulus and through point that I know that can help me is work mm -hmm. because that'll help me have to articulate faster and have to be able to do some things faster. But the thing about it is the doctors kind of put me on the clock. Mm. They said, you got about six months mm. before you can go to work or like to now, prove yourself at work. So what happens with a stroke in the doctors and oh. all the research that I've seen was with a stroke. Once you have the stroke, they said to me, you got about six months to regain what you lost. After okay. six months, your brain becomes hardwired thereabouts mm -hmm. you know you might have up to a year but it's usually right around six months so i said uh oh i'm on the clock mm -hmm. so i got to go back to work so i can start to figure out how to articulate better how mm -hmm. to be able to put together my thought process better how to be able to walk better and it was hard yeah it was just really hard just walking up and down the steps we we worked so you on did that though you went back to work to try, yeah to try to and was that was out. that a humbling mm -hmm. thing for you because you know you're the, you're a you're an officer mm -hmm. you're you're around you know people that deal with the hardest of the hardest on the streets and stuff like so you're you're kind of relearning to you know not relearning to walk but you're relearning how to do all your faculties mm -hmm. but you also have this this status within like mm -hmm. was i would imagine that was a pretty humbling experience for you absolutely one of the first things that i did when i walked through the door because people nobody knew why i left because mm -hmm. i go to oh, work okay. and i'm I only sleep about four hours a day every day but nobody know why i left mm -hmm. There were only a few people that had any what any inkling of a clue on why I left. So when I came back, I set my staff down, all the people who were direct reports, and I set them all down in a room. I said, hey, listen, guys, I had a stroke. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back, but I just need a little bit of quiet time, and I need you to filter things through. At the time, it was our deputy director. Her name is Alicia Guest. And I said, I need for you guys to filter things through her so I can kind of work through her, through this and not have everybody. Because as the 911 director of the most busiest 911 center in the state of Georgia, you're spinning plates mm -hmm. the whole yeah. time. Yeah. We handle about roughly about 1.1 million calls for service a year. Wow. And that's a lot. That is a lot. And there's a lot of complaints to come about that. And this is COVID. So you've got mm -hmm. people that are... You know, I don't know if many of your jobs had that great resignation where people were just like, you know, mm -hmm. this has been nice. Mm -hmm. I've got to figure something else because, you know, 911 centers, we got to go to work. Yeah. We can't just sit at home and work from the house or mm -hmm. do, do something remotely. We have to go to work. And so we're at work and now people are saying, you know, I've got COVID. I don't have COVID. You know, I've got to get tested and stuff like that. So there's a high stress time. A lot of challenges. Yeah. And so we're just trying to figure it all out. 
And in the background, I can see myself slowly but surely getting better. Like people would say, how do you feel today? It's like, eh, some days are better than others. And slowly but surely, things started to come back in line. In about uh, July of uh, 2021, I went on a beautiful men's trip with a group that I have. It's called E8. And E8 is the uh, place on the board that houses the the black king and on the chessboard on the chessboard i, <laughs> I was like i have what, yeah. what king is he talking <laughs> yeah, about on the chessboard yeah. Yeah. yeah and so there's eight of us in the group and we named the group the e8 collective that's cool and we had a retreat in uh, uh snowshoe west virginia yeah mm-hmm. and in snowshoe we were just sitting around talking now i couldn't drive to snowshoe this is too far for me to drive I could drive back and forth to work. And a good friend of mine, his name is Shannon Stewart, drove me to Snowshoe. And I said, all the, the whole time driving, I'm thinking, I can't make this drive. Mm-hmm. I can barely see out of my left eye. I'm completely, well, I'm quarterly blind. I'm blind from like 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock in my left eye. And we're driving. And you know how sometimes the you're on the interstate in the barriers come and squeeze you in mm-hmm. because they're trying to move you from one side of the highway to the other side of the highway and i'm thinking i'd have hit that truck mm-hmm. i would have hit that mm-hmm. truck i'm sitting in the passenger seat saying no i think i don't think that i could make this drive and we get the snowshoe and a good friend of ours in the ea group his name is dijon Levenberry. he taught me about a book this book is called stillness speaks by eckhart tolle and in that book it talked to you about how to quiet your mind. The book's not that long of a listen. It's not that long of a read. Maybe three hours at the most or less. I went for a walk and the book carried me for about a, three reads of it. Mm. And I walked into the wee hours of the night. So far, so much that the rest of the group... They got. They were about to send out the search party because <laughs> there's bears out there. Don't just had another they, stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I'm walking and God's talking to me clearly, hmm. and He's like, "I got you, brother. You just need to quiet your mind so you can hear me." And I keep feeling like something's happening. And as the as I came back and everybody's like, "Well, where you been?" I said, "Well, you know, I just went on a walkabout." The very next morning, I got back, put my earphones on. I saw my friend Patrick. He's a journaler. So he was journaling that morning. And I said, I'm going for another walk. I walked from the top of Snowshoe to the bottom of the mountain. It's probably about eight miles. I was going to say, Snowshoe's no joke. Yeah. Like, it's like the best <laughs> for, uh, from what I understand, mountain it's like bike. the best. Well, it's the best skiing on this side of the country, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. So, like, those mountains are legit. Oh, they're legit. Yeah. It's 10% great. I mean, yeah. it was it's like straight up and straight down. But I'm walking down the mountain, and deers, deer, are, are in the road. And they're walking, and they're looking at me in the middle of the road, and they're turning around. And it's like God is talking to me and saying, come with me. Mm. I mean, he's just – and I'm taking – I swear I've got these pictures of these deer in the road mm-hmm. and they're like just come with me and the book is playing in the ears and the deer are looking at me like you're getting it mm. you're getting it you're gonna get it and all you have to do is listen and follow and this one deer looks at me we walk for at least a, a half a mile 
together right down the middle of the road no cars are coming it's just me and the deer walking down a mountain i said i ain't never seen anything like this and then he just says you got it and he walks off (laughs) i'm like i've never felt anything like this i get back to the house and i'm like something just happened because I'm starting to be able to see better. My vision's getting more clear. My mm. my articulation patterns get more. However, I am talking with deer, so <laughs> yeah. it's 50-50 what this could mean. Dude, I felt like Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> I heard him talking to me. I said, I'm not going on to the loony bin. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. They're talking to me, and they're like, you're going to be okay, just like the nurse said earlier. And... I get back and I'm like, I felt okay. And we drive back and a friend of mine who drove me there, Shannon, and I'm on him now because I've, I've my articulation's coming back. So mm. a part of my smart buttness. And this is, is July? July. And of the stroke tw- happened like February? February. Got it. Okay. Yeah, about six months. Yeah. 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 yeah you're yeah, doing yeah, the math, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and Shannon's like using his GPS for everything. And I'm like, dude, why are we using this GPS? I know the way back home. He says, Douglas, could it be that the GPS knows something you don't know, like what's up ahead? And you may need to follow somebody else other than yourself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I'm sitting in the car like, well, that was pretty profound. But <laughs> I would have went through Charlotte and not go through Asheville, North Carolina. But that's where his GPS was taking him get back in atlanta my cousin has her 60th birthday party here in pittsburgh i want to go but i had to work and i knew i couldn't drive and my cousin was leaving a day before me and i go out on my walk in that morning it's five o'clock in the morning now and i'm walking and he pulls out of the subdivision at five o'clock in the morning and we meet and he rolls down the window and I said, drive safe. And he says, I'll see you. And, you know, and I could see it in his eyes. He wished that I was in the, in the passenger seat with him. It's my same cousin that I've gone through all these walks with. I think I might have graduated with him. You did. Well, we all did. Nine, you graduated in 1989? No, nope. you're, you're Doug Bentley. Dion Bentley. He graduated with 89, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. we're, we're we're exactly four months apart. Oh, okay. Well, then I did yeah. not graduate with him. Never mind. And you can tell he wanted to throw me in the car and take me, but yeah. you know, just wasn't meant to be. So I get back home later on that night, and I look at my wife, and something clicks inside of me. Like I think I can make it back to Pittsburgh. It's like seven o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not at night yet because it's summertime. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, I think I can make it to Charlotte." Now, mind you, this whole time, I probably haven't driven more than 17 miles to Mm -hmm. work and back Mm -hmm. at a clip. I said, but something's telling me something different now. Well, I jump in the car. Night turns. I mean, day turns to night. I start driving. Things get better. Mm. I get to Charlotte. A friend calls me. We stay on the phone. He's talking me through the NBA finals. Or, or uh, there was an NBA game on, and he's talking me through it. Oh yeah, it was the finals because remember, la- or in twenty twenty, how they pushed it back because of COVID. right there in the in the yeah. dome or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah, the bubble. So, so he's walking me through this game, and I'm kind of like getting play by play over the phone. So 
we make it to West Virginia. And next thing I know, we're pulling up to Pittsburgh. And everybody's like, how <laughs> in the devil H hockey sticks <laughs> did you make it here? And I'm like, I don't know. I just drove <laughs> and, and, you know, drove back. And as I drove back for the very first time in my life, I decided to do something I've never done. I went another way. Hmm. And I went the way that Shannon had showed me the week prior and almost ran out of gas <laughs> and I coasted down a mountain <laughs> and pulled into a gas station. My, my car at the time had, you know, five miles to empty. My car was on zero miles mm-hmm. to empty and I pulled up to a gas station and filled up <laughs> and everybody was like, you're playing You're cutting it kind of close. I said, yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> well, anyway, I get back Things are still happening in the 911 center. I have this amazing boss who uh, he and I weren't seeing eye to eye. And he told me, he said, uh, we were up for 13 national awards in uh, San Antonio. And he said, if you go and accept those awards, you'll be walking the plank on your career. I said, well, I don't know if you guys saw back to back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. I said, I'm going to be doing the triple Indy off of your plank. And I'm going to be doing back salts and summer and, and somersaults off of your plank. Because mm. I'm going to San Antonio. This is San Antonio represented a place that I said I would never go back to. San Antonio, for all those boys and girls out there, represents the only place where the Air Force trains their basic military training is in San Antonio. So every person who's been in the Air Force trained in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I was a young guy in 1989 when I went to San Antonio in August of 89. Now this is August of 2021, and I'm walking back through San Antonio. Everything that I said that I didn't want to go back to, he kept bringing me back to. Mm-hmm. Get to San Antonio, and I see myself as my 18-year-old self. Friend picks me up from the hotel. He takes me back to the same barracks that I led 50 men out. I was the PT monitor, which means I took my flight out on the military drill pad every morning to start calisthenics. It was an amazing time in my life because at that time, I worked at Farmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Farmore. Used to be Claybrook. Farmore. Castle Drug. Yeah. 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 And I Castle. worked at Domino's Pizza. You probably worked with my mother-in-law. Really? Patty Stokes. Patty. Yep. Yeah, I know Patty. Yep. Yep. Wait a minute. She works at Shopping Saving Wilkins now. Right. I know Patty. <laughs> we'll talk. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we go through that. We accept these awards, including the Leadership and Technology Award for the 911 Center, which was pretty much the first time all pretty much all African American 911 Center won a, such an, a prestigious award. We want, we we accepted the awards for registered leader uh, leaders uh, registered public safety leaders or the RPL uh, designations for seven of our 911 folks, and uh, we also got a certification for the certified 911 center in reference to our training center. Mm-hmm. And I come back with all these awards, all happy, mm-hmm. and my boss is like, "Yeah, it's not going to work. You know, you're you just don't seem like our my guy." Mm. two hour meeting 
really didn't go well. You know, if you're in a meeting with your boss and you're in a meeting with him for two hours, that's usually not a good day. Mm-hmm. I get back to my office and my administrative aide that I worked with, who's my rock, her name is Latrice, and Latrice says, you left out of here very happy and you don't look happy. I said, I don't feel happy. And she said, do I need to go looking for another job? I said, probably. Mm. I went and uh, I got my blood pressure checked. The EMT that checked my blood pressure, another amazing man, looked at me and his eyebrows went up here. (laughs) And said, how we doing, chief? And he says, "Uh, yeah, it's a little high. And then he checked it another on the other arm and blew it up pss, 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 and his eyebrows went up again I said how we doing chief he says yeah it's uh, you're about to have a stroke mm-hmm. excuse me yeah your blood pressure is 200 over 100 wow that's crazy I never even heard anything yeah. such, a, such yeah. a number yeah he said yeah you're at stroke level well, as the 911 director, we didn't have any ambulances in the entire county to transport me. I was stable. I was articulate. I was coherent. I knew I wasn't going anywhere. So I said, I'll drive myself. He says, no, nah, <laughs> um, we're not doing that. I'll take you. He throws me in his Honda Civic and we drive to the hospital. He knows all these hospitals. I said, what's the best stroke hospital they have? He says, St. Joe's. We get to St. Joe's. Catholic hospital but apparently they know stroke (laughs) so we get there and they treated me amazingly Mm. I had this beautiful nurse again another nurse she looks at me and she starts to say how you doing and she says she goes over in the corner washes her hands and she prays And she says, you know, I just do that before I before I see any of my patients. And I said, would you pray for me? And she said, yes. And she said, but this is going to hurt a little bit. And, I, and I'm like, huh? And she says, it's going to hurt a little bit. And so she washes her hands. She says, I got to lay my hands on you. And I, I, I promise you, she did like Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Warm them up. <laughs> she warmed them up mm-hmm. and she started, she put her hands on me and she started praying. And I felt like, I don't know if you guys watch Marvel movies mm-hmm. when, uh, Hulk tried to steal the, the green stone from the, the, mm-hmm. the protector mm-hmm. and she hit him and knocked yes. him out of his body. I <laughs> yes. was out of my body. Mm-hmm. I'm watching myself lay in the hospital bed with her hands on me praying. And I'm like, I never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And she starts to pray and she says, no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. And at the end of the days, those people who were your enemies will be at your footstool. And she said, now rest. Mm. Now I come back in my body and I was like, I don't know what that was. You know, you snap back like a rubber band. I was like, ouch, that did hurt a little bit. And I go and I try to rest. I couldn't. And I'm looking up at the ceiling fan again, saying, here we are again, just like the last time. The last time I was in the hospital for three days. This time, I don't know how long. Well, they said, we're going to put you on a 24-hour hold. Every, all your vitals are fine. Your CAT scan, your CT scan, everything's fine. 
But me and God had another conversation again. He said, now listen. Everything you asked me for, I've given you, haven't I? I said, yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and he said, you still want more, don't you? Yeah, kind of. He said, didn't you want to be notarized in, in in this field of police and public safety? Yeah. He said, so you're coming with me. And I retired. Hmm. Less than 30 days later. October the 1st, I retired. And now, God talks to me every day. Hmm. And he leads and guides my entire life. And he's like, hey, I need you here and I need you there. One of the places that he said is here in Pittsburgh. He said, I need you right here. And I need you to do everything that you did in Atlanta throughout the course of your career. As a police officer, as a 911 director, I need you to do that here in Penn Hills. One of the things that I designed was this shirt that I have on right now. Who knew? And now people are wearing my designs. And this design was made so I could give back to a child who was a victim of violent crime. And the proceeds should this design goes for that scholarship fund. Mm. And one of the things that I know now is this is an amazing life. Mm. You know, when the stroke first happened, I said I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy. But now, today, I said, man, I wish everybody had, not the stroke, but I wish everybody <laughs> had this experience of the, this feeling that I feel because it is simply amazing. You know, what we do now it's just we go around talking to people and helping people and helping them out. I feel like Bruce Banner on the Hulk, just walking from city to city and helping people new episodes after new episodes. And because I had an amazing job, an amazing career with the DeKalb County Police Department for 26.8 years, it gives it affords me the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And so here I am. And this is what I talked to Jay about. So Jay's an amazing person in my life because Jay's like, hey, you want to speak at this? Yep, I'm coming. <laughs> you know, you want to speak at that? Yep, I'm coming. Hey, you want to be on a podcast? Yep, I'm coming. Because I do know that if he's asking and how I feel this is if he's asking me to do something, it's not coming from him directly, but it's coming through him and that ask then turns and leads and guides me to different things. Jay's introduced me to some amazing people who then have then introduced me to some other amazing people. Mm. And I can feel the snowball rolling down the hill and things are happening. And I'm very proud that I can be at this place in this time in my life at 51 years old and be able to do what I do. Not for me, not for my son, not for my wife, not for my family but for God. Mm. And I just feel amazing that God's touched me in that way and that he's in my life that I can help and be that part of where he needs me to be. One of the most amazing things of your journey is how God has used, I was going to say different people or animals <laughs> to animals. speak to you. Um, but also I think it's really significant. The conversations you've had, we only have, you know, we have some, we have a little bit of time left, mm. 
but like whether it be you know Darius or different people who are Delili. I'm sorry, not yeah, Darius. Yeah. Delili. Yeah. Different people who have reached out and had those significant conversations with you, refining your calling back to Penn Hills. Yes. And uh, can you just touch on a little bit of that and where you're going forward with that? Absolutely. So I have a beautiful friend named Delili Hall. Delili and I, just like Jay, were in the same kindergarten class, and we grew up together. Delili has a beautiful mind. I, I, I just love her mind because her mind, while adult, is childlike where she sees the possibilities of what it could be if we had a beautiful community filled with the same type of love. And to take a word, borrowed a word from Trump, we want to make Penn Hills great again. And she says, listen, can you see it if we had a, a street where we had a couple of houses and we had a park where kids could play and everybody could be how it was when we were out here playing hide-and-go-seek and freeze tag and kickball and football, telephone pole to telephone pole and street hockey. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, Delili, you dream too small. Because while you're saying a, one street with one park, I'm saying all of Penn Hills. And so now I'm dedicated because he's saying, go back and do more. So plug in with the police chief, plug in with the principal of high school, plug in with any business owner who wants to plug in, plug in and tell them and teach and help and coach and mentor and just be there Mm -hmm. as somebody that somebody can call. And Delili set down this challenge. She said, you left, but you haven't been back in 33 years. Now that you're about to retire, this is in August. How about you come back? I said, you know what? I'm back. And she said, what? I said, no, 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 no. I'm back. And so I bought a house. It's about 20 houses up the street from my mama's house. (laughs) And my mom and dad live at an address on Mark Drive, and I live right up the street. And I'm back to help. And some people don't see it like that. But I know why I'm here. And I know what he's talking to me because he wakes me up every day with resolve and he sends me out on my way. Mm-hmm. Today, I was in Penn Hills High School. I met Dr. Ford yet again. And Dr. <laughs> Ford was telling me, hey, you know, get your background check and we'll see what we can do. Jay's plugged me in to help coach volleyball. I love coaching. I love lead God and directing young men and women to other places. Because I had a beautiful start and it all, my foundation all started from Penn Hills where I had amazing teachers who not only taught me how to read, they taught me how to lead. And I owe everything that I am to a place that I love called Penn Hills. Mm. And that's why if you see me, it's always Penn Hills all day. I've created fashion designs, at least three right now that all just have Penn Hills on them. And what we're trying to do <laughs> is make Penn Hills is great of a of a place to be of a destination as it once was people used to talk with revere about Penn Hills and I'd like to see that again Mm -hmm. because I know the people of Penn Hills and I know who we are and what we are and what we've been to each other we help lift as we all climb and we help move forward and we help each other get to exactly where we need to be you know Jay invited me to the Hall of Fame uh, inductee of 2022 and I said I know that 
it's probably not politically correct, but we are Pinhills Indians. <laughs> and so we led a chant in the Hall of Fame of Pin Hills Indians. And it just gave me goose pimples mm. down my spine every time I saw people yelling mm. Pin Hills Indians because for most of us, this is where we're from, and this is the place that I've grown, the place that has been my foundation. Patty was the person. <laughs> Patty was yeah. the person who said, "You need a bank account, baby." And she she said, "Go down to that PNC bank, get a bank account, put your money in the bank, save eighty percent of your money. You spend twenty. I got a Mac card, <laughs> yeah, a Mac card, and I was off to the machine." <laughs> And what's going on July 9th? So in July 9th, and thank you, Jay, for asking that because I'll get off on that tangent. July 9th, we're back in Penn Hills. We're starting a community cleanup in probably one of the most challenged parts of uh, Penn Hills in reference to some place where there needs a pick-me-up. Like I said earlier, we all- A little facelift. Just a little pick-me-up. Just a little pick-me-up. We often talk about lifting as we climb. And as we've gone on and as I've moved on in this world, I've had the wonderful pleasure of building communities. And it all starts with a community cleanup. And this community is no different than any other community, any other place, any other township, any other municipality of any other city. And if you can pick up this water bottle that's on the ground then you can pick up a person that may have laid down or may have been needed a pick-me-up. And so on July 9th at 8 o'clock in the morning, we're going to start with a little pick-me-up. I'll just stay up. Yeah, just stay up. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get up then, but I'll stay yeah, just up. Just stay up. Don't go to bed. Just stay up and just join us Yep. because it's going to be important because there were people – in Penn Hills that don't believe that our community can pick itself up. Mm-hmm. I just believe that they just haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And it's just not been their experience. But it has been mine. And I've had the wonder, wonderful pleasure of picking up communities over and over and over again. And once they start to pick up that one water bottle, they start to pick them, their head up and they start to feel good about themselves. And great things start to happen right behind a community cleanup. So I'd like for anybody who can hear this podcast and anybody who wants to be there just for an hour, you don't have to stay more than five minutes. Just show up and pick up. One can, one bottle, and just be a part of the amazing community cleanup and a part of a revolution that I believe that can happen in Penn Hills because we're all from Penn Hills. And if you're not, well, that's where you live at now. So come on back and let's help out wherever we can. I appreciate that. And Doug, we will definitely have you back because... That's your most, to me, that's your most important story. Mm-hmm. You know, you. when you hear a story like that, and it, it's really, I mean, okay, so, you know, God did let you go through a stroke. Okay, so it wasn't like you, you responded the first time God, you know, whispered in your ear. Not at all. But yet, being as headstrong and as a leader as you are, for you to finally relent is a great testimony. For you to say like, all right, God, good. You know, mm-hmm. you made you made a deer speak to me. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll follow you. You know, all the medicine and everything else. Like God's the only one that could heal you. Um, 
that is the most important story. And I think it's, it's something we all need to realize. We can try to pretend like we're in control mm-hmm. as long as we want. But we all come to a moment when we're, we realize we're not in control and you can choose. Mm-hmm. You want the blood pressure 200 over mm-hmm. 112 or do you want to finally say, okay, God, you win. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't get into a billion other stories and relationships. I mean, you could probably tell some police stories. Absolutely. Uh, you could probably tell some stories about, you know, positive community policing, which is you oh, know what you're so passionate about. It's wonderful. And part of the solution to what we're, we're experiencing right now. Yes. Um, but I, I, that's I'm just I'm grateful for you to share. Yeah. That yeah. you shared you. so humbly and so uh, specifically how God slowly but forcefully drew you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible story. Great story. Can't wait to have you back. Though. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to be back. Mm-hmm. And that's it for episode 159. We are looking to have Ethan Her on next week. So stay tuned for that. Please make sure to give us a like or follow on social media and visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, take a relational needs questionnaire. Thanks for joining us at the table for Lunchtime in Rome. See you next week. Bye. Bye, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Push-ups. <laughs> oh, man, that, yeah, that's no. Um, <laughs> she corralled the wild stallion. I feel like everybody's looking at me like you guys right now. This is nasty. It tastes like snot. Deers. Deer. Save 80% of your money, you spend 20. <laughs> I got a Mac card. <laughs>